Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And um, we're pouring one out for the season, guys. The regular season, college football, is officially over. Still got some conference championships and things like that, but uh, nothing that's going to factor into any sort of CFF, C2C league. Um, so, I mean, another great season in the book here, Colin. It uh, went by really fast, I think, this year. Thir- 13 weeks just just comes and goes. It really does. It's so much shorter than the NFL season. Like, I mean, yes, like five weeks shorter. So, like, statistically, yeah, it's shorter. But just the NFL season feels like it's really just starting to ramp up here. Like, we're starting to get some playoff races going. And the college football season is pretty much over. College fantasy season, definitely over. But college football as a whole pretty much over yeah we'll be uh we'll be human with you guys here for a second uh we try to uh be as you know let you into our lives as much as possible without it being weird um the season's real hard (laughs) honestly on us yeah it is definitely a grind to make sure that everything is coming out on time uh both show wise on the website and everything like that um so i'm not gonna lie i always really look forward to the season and i obviously enjoy it while i'm in it too but now that it's over it is nice to have a few weeks here where you're really just kind of downshifting a little bit and uh, uh, relaxing and, and finally getting to work again on some things that I want to work on as opposed to some things that I have to work on, uh, which is always really, really nice. Not that we need any sympathy. You know, we're we're over here, you know, talking college football. It's a it's a good time, but uh, definitely, definitely a grind for those 13 weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. A grind for those 13 weeks There's just things that you just have to get done content wise, you know, during the season and huge, huge hat tip to Chris Moxley uh, and Jared Palmgren for doing our CFF weekly rankings. Like I, those are an absolute bear to do week in and week out. Um, you know, Matt, uh, Matt Fox and I do the, do them on the NFL side. So, you know, a little bit easier than the college side, but still, you know, so I, I have a bit of an appreciation for those and, uh, we we tweaked the process there towards the end of the year. We're hoping, you know, keep tweaking the process for next year as well and uh, making it a little easier on them. But it was uh, it was a huge undertaking for them. And I know I appreciated it. I know a lot of our listeners appreciated it as well. Lots of tweets out there about um, to those guys and specific uh, specifically just saying how much everybody appreciates it. And we see those tweets. We appreciate those as well. We do. Yeah. Thank you, guys, um, for for everybody. I know. I created a little a little championship week tilt thread in the Discord. It was really nice seeing you know everybody's championship squads and everybody freaking out as the day went on and uh, and and what all was was happening there. So we, we do like hearing those things from you guys. Um, it really does make us feel like we did something right throughout the year to help you guys out. Uh, discussions already being had here at Campus Canton headquarters as to what next season will look like. Um, stay tuned. I already know that we have. I mean, a lot of improvements and changes that we're already discussing. This is our second year doing this. We're still learning. I think we're still figuring things out, but I also think that we're starting to get things down to a science a little bit. So, um, I mean, I I already am looking forward a little bit to next year. Uh, But for the next few weeks, this is just uh, incoming freshman time in in my life. That's pretty much what I'll be spending the majority of my time doing is we already start prepping that guide which we're planning on releasing the end of February, beginning of March. So um, right around the corner, even though it sounds like a really long time away. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those guides are going to sneak up on you quicker than quicker than you think. And uh, for anybody who pre-ordered those guides uh, for our Black Friday to Cyber Monday sale, thank you. And you will be uh, looking for those as soon as they're released. They'll be in your inbox. It's yep. coming up sooner than you know it. Yeah, we got a decent amount of those. So thank you to you guys for that, uh, that that took care of that. As always, I mean, if you guys are yearly scholarship members, you get your choice of one guide for this year. And if you're an NIL yearly member with us, you get all of them included with your membership. So we'll be yes. sending lots of those out. And hopefully uh, we get to send out even more of them this year than we did last year. Um, so now that now that uh, football's over, Colin, you're spending your Monday nights dancing lessons here. How was yes. tonight? You know, Foxtrot, Tango. What, what, what do we do here tonight? What are we talking no, it's so it's all salsa. It's all salsa. It's all salsa dancing. So it's your opening be, dance at your wedding is going to be salsa. It is not. Um, oh. We are going. That is going to be like a, a bit of a choreographed thing. Nothing like elaborate because I'm. I cannot dance, uh, as I am finding out through these lessons. We I have, we knew my, just by looking rhythm, at you, Colin. There was no yes, debate there. Yeah, my uh, my rhythm is uh, questionable, but it's getting better. Today, today went much better. I felt a lot more comfortable. Um, they also, so last week was my first class. Um, I missed the first, the very first class because I was in Miami. So class two was last week. Uh, and in that class, they, the, the one instructor said, hey, I recommend not wearing shoes that have a rubber sole because you can't really like, yeah. yeah, it'll stick. So uh, I switched up the shoes this time. Definitely a big difference. Uh, my spins were a lot faster. So we're, we're getting better, man. Maybe someday, Colin, you'll, you'll just be a great dancer. I, uh, I, really, I, really I don't know if I'll it, go that but... far, but you know, maybe I won't be terrible, man. I can't wait for this opening dance number now at your wedding. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's seven, seven beginner salsa dance classes. So, you is, know, is don't there going to be Victor Cruz out there, but is there a happy hour before you guys come in to do that dance? Yes. There will oh, be a I'm going to heckle the shit out of you. <laughs> there'll be a cocktail hour. Fun. We're putting your tables all the way in the back. You're mm. not even going to be, you're not even going to be able to see the dance floor. Technically, I'm outside. That uh, that'll be where my table yeah, is. Perfect. Yeah, there's like a window, and like you'll be right there. I'll just be present. Hello. You'll yeah, be Conan O'Brien. Perfect. All right. Um. So, uh, I guess we can just hop into this column. We thought this would be a really good episode to kind of just talk about um how the season went some last notes from the final week here of the season and then just, you know, surprises, uh, disappointments, our best calls. Um, and actually we're going to finish off the show with some guys that we're already targeting, uh, in trades as we go into the offseason. We think their value is going to see some growth, uh, as the season goes on. Before we do that, uh, we are part of the fantasy points media group here, uh, this campus Canton podcast, along with a ton of other great pods. Uh, if you can find them all on one place at, uh, on Twitter at fantasy points live, or you can check out the weekly Friday drop that recaps the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. And if you're looking to sign up over at Fantasy Points, promo code CAMPUS22 gets you 10% off that membership. All right, Colin, just a couple notes. Put some things on here. I know you're very passionate about this first one, so I'm just going <laughs> to uh, basically say the name and let you loose. Uh, JJ McCarthy played pretty well for Michigan this week in their upset, you know, quote-unquote upset, two-verse-three win of Ohio State, uh, capturing... Uh, or, or there's their spot in the Big Ten championship game there. Um, a sign of things to come for J.J. McCarthy. Well, let's start by saying, you know, that was definitely an upset. I think most people were expecting Ohio State to win that game, and Michigan came in and smacked them in the mouth. Uh, so 
Michigan is a lot better of a team than I was expecting them to be this year, especially given, you know, their early season schedule was rather soft. So I thought, you know, maybe the F word was going to be thrown around for them, but that is not the case. So, you know, hand up. Can it, I can admit when I'm wrong on that, but I don't believe I'm wrong on JJ McCarthy at this point. Uh, he didn't show anything in this game that he hadn't already shown pretty much all year. I mean, he got 189 out of those 290 yards passing off of broken coverages. All three touchdowns came off broken coverages too. Uh, the one wasn't necessarily a broken coverage. The first touchdown to Cornelius Johnson, but Cornelius Johnson made a guy miss and then just outraced everybody towards the end zone. So that was mostly yak broken coverage in the second touchdown to Cornelius Johnson broken coverage on the touchdown to the tight end. I think it was Schoonmaker. Um, but yeah, so they were all broke. was this good. Did Schoonmaker play in this one? He might not have. It was, the, it was like the, the tight end, whoever it was um, down the sideline. But yeah, I, I mean, he managed a, a great game. You know, he didn't make mistakes. I didn't see, there were a couple throws in the Penn state game. Uh, that when Michigan played him where that was like, what throw was that? That should have been picked off. Um, there were one or two of those and I didn't really see any of those in this one. So he managed a great game, but for anybody out there who's, you know, is, is about to unload the JJ McCarthy hype. Uh, I, I don't think anything changed in this one. You know, I, 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 I didn't change anything for me at all. Still a so lot I, I need to see. So I tweeted out last week, Colin, and I just said after that Illinois game where he didn't look great, Michigan didn't look great, I said two full years into J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, including a full year of starts, and we have zero idea on his NFL future. I put yep. at least 60% of that in the coaching staff, but it's where we are now. After this game, I think you have to feel okay about whatever your initial evaluation was of J.J. McCarthy. If you're a really big fan, you kind of saw him you know, creating outside of structure, his mobility, he's got good size, uh, good arm. Um, but I think if you're, if you've been pumping the brakes on McCarthy, then I think there are other things that, that still would worry you, you know, 50% completion, uh, percentage in this one. Um, like you said, kind of just, just capitalizing on busted plays still seems like it's taking him a little while to process things. I mean, th this game was really easy for him because Ohio is basically playing single high safety. Yeah. The entire, and, and they were so worried about the run, which I don't know why this was, in my opinion, bad, horrible uh, scheme. Gameplay. But they 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 were so worried about that run that they had the one high the, the single high safety. But even a lot of the times, like if they were doing play action or anything like that, that safety was still biting down when he really shouldn't have been. Like he, he that play action really should have been of no concern to him at the end of the day with what his role was. Where basically if anybody gets behind you, guess what? We're effed because we're playing like eight guys in the box, uh, and you're really the only guy protecting deep. It was very very weird um, how Ohio State was set up. So he was able to take advantage of that, which is good. Uh, but it wasn't like it was, you know, <laughs> they were playing too high and they were rotating guys and, and kind of, you know, confusing him at the line of scrimmage. And I mean, there was really no confusion in this game plan at all. It was very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a really good thing for him to build on. We'll see how he plays in the next couple of weeks here. I think it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan struggles in this next game with whoever they play. Is it uh, Purdue? I think it's right? Purdue, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if they struggle a little bit against Purdue, although Purdue's not great defensively just because that's kind of how Michigan has been late. Like, they really got up for this Ohio State game. I'll be interested to see if there's any sort of emotional letdown. I still expect them to win it. Yeah. But it might be close. Yeah, and, and I'm look, I'm not sitting here saying J.J. McCarthy's terrible. I'm not saying he's not Will Levis. That's right. So I'm not writing him off. 
I'm just saying I there's still a lot that I need to see. Like I did not this game did not change anything for me. I still need to see him making NFL type throws. He doesn't those he has the arm to make them, but he doesn't he's not asked to make them in games. So he's not making really NFL throws, not really NFL reads either. So I don't know how he's going to translate. He has all the tools, you know. So for anybody out there who's a tools person, there you go. Uh, you know, he, we see everything we want to see, the mobility, the playmaking outside of structure, the arm strength, the throwing on the move, like all of that kind of stuff is still there. But the big concern was how he operates inside of structure. And I haven't really seen anything so far this year that has led me to believe he has made significant strides in that area. We're going to have a similar discussion. I have a feeling about him as we've had about like Will Levis this year. And I don't think he's as bad no. as Will Levis for the record. No, no. Uh, I think he's a better prospect than, than Levis ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be, you know, while uh, the p- people are going to say, you know, he's in this, this pro style offense with Harbaugh and he didn't really have a ton of weapons around him and it was conservative game plan and blah, 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 blah. Um, and you're kind of going to be drafting him if he declares. I don't even know if he declares. He doesn't even really need to. Need to. Next year would be the first year that he's capable of it. Yeah. Um, but I just I foresee a very similar discussion on him, and I think mm-hmm. there's going to be very, you know, uh, two sides of the argument. They're going to really hate each other by the end of the season. Um, so there's my first prediction for this offseason, that, that J.J. McCarthy is next year's Will Levis from a uh, controversy, yeah. division, divisiveness standpoint. The other quarterback, or go ahead, you were going to say something. No, 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 you're good, you're good. As I say, the other quarterback that, that played really well here the past couple weeks is Spencer Rattler, quarterback there at South Carolina. His first year there was not really great leading up to these last two weeks. I believe he had eight touchdowns coming into the Tennessee game two weeks ago, and then he just went completely off. And I think a lot of that has to do with just South Carolina realized they could call like just throw the kitchen sink of whoever they were playing they won both games like where, where was this all year they beat tennessee they beat clemson um against tennessee 30 for 37 438 yards six touchdowns zero interceptions against clemson this past week 25 for 39 for 360 yards two touchdowns two interceptions so a couple more mistakes but also a much more difficult defense so to be expected that maybe uh especially with the volume of passes that he was uh flinging around there that, that he might throw a pick um He's just looked like the guy we kind of expected him to be, you know, confident, big arm. It can put balls in like in, in windows that maybe they don't even really belong in, but he can do that because that he just has those kinds of tools. When, when the game slows down for him and he's had stretches like this throughout his career, he looks really, really good. I'm wondering if he comes out this year. I think it'll be interesting as the next couple of weeks come on. And I think a lot of it will have to do with who South Carolina brings in at offensive coordinator because their offensive coordinator uh, is headed to Nebraska to team up with Matt Rule there. So um, interesting all around here, Colin. Do you have any hope for Spencer Rattler here? Um, no, not really. I think this year really kind of put the nail in the coffin for his, you know, rebound here. I mean, yes, these last two games he has looked pretty good, but – the rest of the season, he did not look that good. We're still seeing some some of the similar issues that we saw with him at Oklahoma, and I just I think he's he is what he is at this point. He's going to get drafted, but I don't see much of an NFL future here, even if he were to come back. Which honestly, this is probably the better draft class for him to go out in this year because it's it's a weaker draft class uh, and at the quarterback position. 
So maybe he could, some team could fall in love with his tools and what they saw at Oklahoma. I'm not sure, but I think he also seems like the type of guy who's going to try to declare this year. Be interested to see what kind of advice he gives or gets. Yeah, gives, gets. Yeah. Uh, Cause I mean, his numbers on the year are not terrible. They're not great either. I mean, 27, uh, oh, 22,780 yards, which ranked 39th in the country, 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Um, his QBR was middle of the pack. Um, I could see him returning. I really think, you know, these last two games, I don't know how much in the grand scheme of things they'll really impact his stock because it wasn't anything that we haven't seen from him before. He had that run at Oklahoma two years ago where he was really, really sharp down the stretch, and that's what had us all ranking him really, really highly going into 2021. If you look at his games uh, down the stretch that season um, where he was really kind of dealing it. Let me pull it up here real quick. So he had that season uh, down the stretch. He had uh, 17 for 24 for 301 and four touchdowns against Oklahoma State, against Baylor, uh, who had a really good defense that year. He completed 71% of his passes, just under 200 yards, two touchdowns and interception. In the Big 12 championship game, uh, 22 for 34, 272 yards and a touchdown against Iowa State and won that game. And then they beat Georgia in that bowl game. And basically, not even in a full game, he, he completed 14 for 23 for 247 and three. Like he was dealing it at the end of that year against really good opposition. Florida was ranked sixth, Iowa State or seventh. Iowa State was sixth. Oklahoma State was 14. I mean, that, that's a pretty good row of defenses there that he did this work against and then just kind of fell apart last year. I actually think he should go back because if he plays, he doesn't need to play like he did with you know his hair on fire the past couple of weeks. But if he plays like he did, I think there's a legitimate chance that he could be a first-round draft pick again. I think if for him to have bounced back in that way, he would have had to learn some some lessons, become a little more self-aware, become a little more, um, uh, well, a little less, you know, egotistical. I, I think all those things will have, will, will have needed to happen for that to 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 take place. So I actually think that a, a return for him and a good season, I, I think, puts him into the first round discussion. I don't think he can do it this year. I just I think NFL teams will be wary of two good games. That's fair. I mean, I don't think he could, I don't think he's back in the first round conversation this year, you know, and I don't think he gets there next year either, even with, I mean, he would have to have an entire season like these two games, you know, and I don't know if he can do that. He he's shown it for stretches, like you said, but he also disappears at times and he's the same guy that got benched, you know, last year. Now, granted, everybody says he get benched for Caleb Williams and, and he did, but Caleb Williams was a five star. So, you know, that's not, it's not like he got benched for for some three star kid from you know Nebraska or wherever, and this was like a nobody. It, it, Caleb Williams is a very good prospect in his own right. You know, he's my QB one in college right now, so not necessarily a shame in that. But I think just the way it went down, um, and just a lot of the things you hear about him, I don't know if he'll ever actually get back to that first round discussion. So he could still rehab his stock a little bit if he does come back. So. You know, if he comes back, good for him. Uh, but like you said, you need to see a lot of growth and maturity at that standpoint. And maybe he just is who he is. Do you think he's a buyer or a sell? Man, I think he's, if you have him, I think he's a hold, but I'm not buying. <laughs> so hold. Okay. 
Fair enough. Um, I would probably agree with that assessment. If you don't have him, are you I'm not buying making him. any sort of move <laughs> for him? No. Okay. No. Okay. No. All right. Uh, I still have him left over on a couple rosters. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, all right. Some other topics that we're not going to cover today, but I think it's just as kind of putting everybody on notice. Like we're going to talk about at some point this off season, once we get more information and once these things start to develop more, but just some, some position battles that maybe we're going to be keyed into Ohio state. Who's the new quarterback there? Assuming CJ Stroud leaves, that'll be a big question. Alabama has the same question at quarterback. But they also have that, uh, Jameer Gibbs leaving. So who is the, the main running back? Jason McClellan come back. I was say, you else? said maybe Jace McClellan was going to leave potentially. He could. So he could. if he does, Trace Sanders in the portal, you know, options are a little bit limited there. It's like kind of Roy Dell Williams, Jamoria yep. Miller. They're bringing in Richard Young and Justice um, Haynes, Haynes this year. So a couple options. Yeah. Um, U.S. who kind of steps into Jordan Addison's shoes there. Um, maybe it's nobody. When Addison's been out this year, it's kind of been uh, a committee approach there. Uh, but we'll see. We want guys connected to Caleb Williams and then Lincoln Riley's system. Wake Forest, Sam yeah. Horton. Horton is supposedly out no matter what, whether that means he's going to the NFL, whether he's hitting the portal. We don't really know yet. Uh, and then who are his or, or their receiving weapons there? That's always a little bit of a shakeup. Uh, tough guess for the team in Deacons. Tennessee, who are their wide receivers there? Tillman's gone. We'll see what happens with Jalen Hyatt. They could be replacing all those guys. Squirrel White looks like he could have a role. Uh, but beyond that, we don't really know. So um, all position battles that are going to be pretty important that are at big-time schools, and we'll talk about a ton more once we start figuring out more of the portal. Uh, the other big one that I think we're going to talk about at some point here, Colin, is this Washington offense because we really like Kalen DeBoer. What do we do with Michael Penix? Is he returning? If he does, I think we feel pretty good about this offense again. Which receivers come back? Jalen McMillan, Romadinze, maybe neither of them. Um, we'll have to look at some of the other guys there. Who steps up? Jalen Polk, probably Polk. the number three guy. He's he's going to be really interesting. He might be a guy mm-hmm. that if you've got some stashes left, your waivers are still open for some reason. Maybe go, yeah, take a look. He's there. A, he's a guy I was considering for you know our, our segment towards the end about like guys that we're buying, but I'm not buying him at this point just because Adunze and McMillan could both come back. We yeah. don't know. But you're the king of you like being able to cut guys that are easy. That's a good point. It's a good point. But I'm not trading for a guy that I can cut. Do you know people, what I mean? Is he rostered places? I don't, I don't know that he's rostered in any of my leagues. Well, he I, he was rostered. For, well, maybe people, he maybe got dropped there. But he had like a two or three game stretch this year when Adunze was out where he put up some nice numbers. So I'm thinking there could be some leagues where he is rostered. But if he's not, okay. then, then I'm doing it. Then I'm doing the uh, the old pick them and cut them. Um, all right, Colin, let's talk a little just about the season in review here. I put a couple of categories down. Biggest surprises, biggest disappointments, our best calls, our biggest misses, uh, and then our early offseason uh, buy list. So let's let's start with our biggest surprises. Um, Bo Nix headlined your list. Bo Nix, yeah. QB, depending on what your scoring was, I believe you finished season QB uh, QB one. Um, yeah, it depends on the league scoring. I saw, so I downloaded the, uh, uh, I, so I exported from fans tracks, like the positional finishes, which first uh, off, if you want that information, do it soon because fan tracks, it's all sorts of messed up yes. over the offseason. So yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. Um, and the league that I did it for was the C2C versus NIL league that we have, which is pretty standard scoring. Um, and Drake, uh, Drake may was actually the QB one 380.78 fantasy points. Bone Nick's QB two 379.96. So less than one point separated them, but either way, that finish from Bo Nix was very surprising. I mean, we always knew he had a, a good fantasy upside given his ability with his legs. Wasn't really unleashed that much at, at, at Auburn. Um, but it really was at uh, at Oregon this year with Kenny Dillingham. I mean, his his rushing touchdowns were were off the charts, his rushing numbers this year. And, you know, we'll, I'll, so, so that's actually one topic I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Um we thought Bo Nix was going to have a, a nice year this year, but not this good. You know, he went from the butt of the jokes to maybe Bo Nix, you know. Do you think he comes back? With Dylan, with Kenny Dillingham leaving, I'm going to say no. I think he comes out this year now. Uh, if Dillingham stayed there and Kenny Dillingham, for anybody who didn't know, uh, the offensive coordinator at Oregon is now was now named the head coach at Arizona State. Um, so I, I think that is going to be a big factor. And I don't think Bo Nix is going to return for that reason, because he's had so many, di he's had a different offensive coordinator. I think every single year he's been in college. Now he had Kenny Dillingham once at Auburn and then had him again at Oregon. So that's the same one, but still going to a different system every year. I don't think he's going to want to do that again. Uh, I, I think he, I think he declares. I should follow him to Arizona state. I mean, what? Uh, no, he already. Well, he could grad transfer, probably. Probably, I don't know if he grad transferred last year or not, but uh, yeah, he could if he hasn't yet. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Who says no? Nobody, as far as I know. I just don't think he's going to get that great of NFL feedback this off season. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Like, I, I, I just—he's not the kind of guy I think that the, the committee's going to be like, oh yeah, like you know, round two grade. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. So it's it's going to be it's going to be close because I think he helped his draft stock this year from the fact that it was pretty much in the toilet. But I think another season could really help him solidify round two draft capital. But again, is he going to want to learn a whole new offensive system and play under another offensive coordinator? I don't know. Uh, Quinchon Junkins, RB 10. That surprised you, Colin? Yeah. I didn't think he was going to be that good. I mean, I thought that was going to be Zach Evans numbers. I thought Zach Evans could be the RB 10 and Quinshawn Judkins would kind of be, you know, sprinkled in here and there. I was, you know, Matt Bruning led our Quinshawn Judkins hype train, but you know, I like to think that I was the, the first mate on there. I was pretty high on Judkins as well, but I didn't see that. I didn't see a top 10 finish coming. And I think anybody who says that they did see a top 10 finish coming is lying. The start of the season, you know, I thought he was going to have a role, but like I said I really thought that was going to be Zach Evans in the top ten. I didn't even think Ole Miss would run the ball enough for that to be possible. It's a good point. They uh, they ran they ran it a decent amount last year, but I didn't know how much of that was dictated by uh, Levy and just like they had a very deep stable of our running backs last year. This year they didn't really have a deep stable. They had like two guys, yeah, and then however you feel about Ulysses Bentley. Um, so like it, it really wasn't as deep as last year when they had um, Parrish. And Ely and uh, um, somebody else too who's Snoop. in the NFL right now. Yep, Snoop Connor. So, um, but yeah, very, very, very surprising there. Riley Leonard, top ten ish quarterback, depending on your scoring at Duke. Yeah. There, 
um, had a very nice season. Do eight and four Duke. Yeah. Eight and four Duke. Mike Elko, coach of the year. Gotta be the fighting Mike Elkos. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, is he going to win coach of the year? No, it's probably going to be Sonny Dykes at TCU, but I think Mike Elko really deserves a lot of credit for how quickly he turned that Duke team around eight and four fantastic. And Riley Leonard deserves a lot of that credit too. You know, he's, he was been re- really good all year, especially for fantasy purposes. He does a lot with his legs. And again, anybody who said that they saw Riley Leonard as a top 10 QB at the beginning of the year, probably lying to you. Cause I don't know if anybody thought, I don't even, half the people probably didn't even know who Riley Leonard was entering the year. You know, the only reason I did was because of our CFF guide. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't predict. No one would have predicted him as a, a top ten quarterback for fantasy wise. I don't agree with this one, Colin. You put Xavier Hutchinson as wide receiver eight. I don't think this was a surprise. Everybody, he got volume last year, and he was like what a wide receiver two. Uh, I don't know what his numbers, what his finish was last year, but I knew. I think everybody kind of expected this offense to. Well, I shouldn't say everybody. Um, we kind of expected this offense to take a step back this year. Uh, I thought they would you know, probably lean a little bit more on the run game and use Hunter Deckers in the run game as well. So I wasn't expecting a lot of passing volume. Um, but, you know, I figured if it did, it was going to be funneled through Hutchinson. But for Hutchinson to finish as the wide receiver eight, I think that was a surprise for me. Uh, and then Izzy Abanaconda, a top five season for him, depending on your scoring. Uh, I believe he finished RB2 in pretty much all of my formats mm-hmm. uh, and probably would have finished as the RB1 if he didn't miss. Um, that game and have a rotational situation going on in a couple others this year. Yeah, I think that one was surprising too. You know, you and I were were both pretty high on him. You were kind of leading that bandwagon. You had an article come out prior to, was it prior to last year or prior to this year that you thought Izzy was going to be a top? I think it was 50. last year. Yeah. That's what I thought that Izzy would be. You know, it's like a, t- a rise into like the top fifty um, picks. And then, yeah, that was that was one of my bold predictions of yeah. last year's top ten bold predictions. That's I was right. just a year early. You were a year early, but I don't think we expected them to use Izzy A as a bell cow. I mean, they had Roddy Hammond there. Now, him going down in week one, I think, really propelled this and just opened the door for Izzy, and he seized that opportunity. But huge, huge year from Izzy A. Yeah, really. Um... Pitt would have been real screwed without him this year. Really carried that offense. Uh, thank you, Keaton Slovis, you bum. Um, I wonder who saw that one coming. Yeah, I don't feel bad about saying that. Uh, and I usually try not to say that about players, but Slovis stinks. A um, couple that I wrote down here, Eric Gray bounced back this season, which I didn't expect. I thought he'd be another bit player there behind Marcus Major and Javante Barnes, but he really uh, took that backfield over. Uh, to himself, the end of the season would have been real cool if he could have scored a touchdown or two in that last game. Oklahoma State or Oklahoma scores what forty five, and he didn't score shit. That's a little annoying for us, uh, Eric Gray people. That maybe we're starting him in a championship game that was really close, and maybe could have used it. But <laughs> who, who all falls into that? Yeah, I was gonna say who I, who falls into that category. This, I don't this know. could be anybody that I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely not my own personal hurt being uh, included in this. Great season for him, nonetheless. We'll see what he does this year in terms of declaring or coming back. Carson Steele, this is a big one. He was top a top five fantasy running back this year. So I think I think Matt was the first one last year to say, you know, this Carson Steele guy might become something. You're gonna get an angry DM from uh from Felix. Felix was definitely not the first guy in Carson Steele. 
Carson Felix was like the fifth guy here on Carson Steele and still tries to claim him as his own. Because I did a video shortly after Matt. Uh, I was talking about him, just talking about why he was one of my biggest pickups at the end of last year. But I thought he would be like a flex or bye week filling guy. I just didn't think that Ball State would run the ball enough or effectively enough. And I didn't think he was necessarily that level of a talent, but he was really good this year. Uh, and he has at least another year in college, probably two before he heads out. So big year there from Carson Steele. Mo Ibrahim tore his Achilles, came back. Um, and just ran for more yards. Um, yeah. I will say that I think Minnesota, quite frankly, helped him stat pad a little bit this year uh, at the end of games that he really had no business being in, uh, uh, receiving carries with how deep their backfield typically is. But I digress. Uh, I still don't think he really gets drafted this year, but no. we'll see. Uh, Roman Hemby getting the job at Maryland and looking really, really good doing it surprised me. And CJ Johnson, wide receiver DCU, showing some signs of life. Um, when I thought he was pretty much dead. Uh, so those were all the ones that really surprised uh, the two of us. Biggest disappointments. Uh, too many to name. Yeah. <laughs> but a few of them here. Tyler Van Dyke really struggled there. The whole Miami offense just took uh, three steps, three big steps backward. Yeah. And I mean, Tyler Van Dyke's the guy that we were talking about as the QB, looking like the QB three in this class. You know, he showed really well down the stretch last year with Rhett Lashley at the helm at the OC. And this year with Josh Gaddis, he took a big step back. They, like you said, the entire offense took a huge step back. And now we're talking about, is Tyler Van Dyke going to transfer? Where is he going to transfer? So definitely a disappointment there um, from TVD. Uh, Texas Tech's offense. And I think that there's, some blame to go to them. And I also just think that the injury bug never injury really had luck. them all together yeah. at one particular point in time. It made it a little more difficult for them. You know, wide receivers in and out of the lineup, quarterbacks, they started three of them this year. Um, so I think they could be a bit of a post-hype sleeper offense for next year, depending on what exactly they look like and if Zach Kitley uh, returns there. I really, really do. Yeah, I do too. I think that, like you said, post-hype sleeper here because the injury bug really bit them. Uh, but this was an offense that, I was investing in pretty heavily. I think a lot of people were investing in pretty heavily and very disappointing. You know, Miles Price was not Jareth Stearns 2.0. He wasn't 75% of Jareth Stearns. Um, you know, he said trotted out three different quarterbacks at different times. So depending on how they should go into this offseason, is Zach Hitley still there? Um, which I think after one year at Texas Tech, I, I mean, unless a team kind of had an eye on him, already you know and then anticipating maybe an opening i don't think he did anything to improve his uh stock in the coaching world this year i think it's kind of status quo but do you think he leaves like i said i think if a team already kind of had an eye on him after what he did at western kentucky and now they have an opening like i could see it but i don't like i said i don't think he improved his stock so i don't okay. think based on this year a team is going to say, I want that guy. Um, the other one that I wrote down here, we didn't put as many disappointments down because those wounds are still fresh. They're not as fun to talk about. Uh, right. Braylon Allen, uh, who I actually don't have a lot of Braylon Allen, um, definitely disappointed this year, especially down the stretch. He started out the year reasonably hot. Um, the thing that, that we kind of argued that, you know, 
was worrisome about him is that basically he would put up 180 yards and like 90 of it came on one carry. And I know that the hashtag nerds um, will tell you that explosive rush rate is one of the most important things for running back because that means, you know, they can, they can bust a play any time. And that's really what sets apart good running backs from great running backs. But the, the counter argument was always that he just wasn't doing anything the rest of the time. He's, he's not particularly dynamic in the passing game. I mean, he's just kind of out there. And down the stretch this year, I mean, 20, 23 carries for 119 and one against Maryland. That's not, that's a defense that he should have been absolutely destroying against Iowa. A rush, their, their rush defense is not good. Like it's their pass defense that's, yep. that's really, really stout. 17 carries, 40 yards, no touchdowns. And then against Nebraska, 18 for 92 and nothing uh, in terms of scoring as well. He also had a game, a couple other games this year below 100 yards. Um, and a bunch more that he barely went over, 113 and 123. I mean, it just it was not a good year for him for a guy that was supposed to be, like, awesome. Like, 1,100 yards, that's a fine season. But for a guy that we were kind of expecting 1,400, 1,600 yards out of, uh, really, really disappointing there for him. And now there's rumors that he's going to transfer. So we'll see where he ends up. Yeah, and, and he's another guy that I'll talk about a little bit later as well. But definitely a disappointing year from him. Um it's it's I think the questions that we had with him are still there. And I think if you were a fan of his and you didn't have those questions, then I think you're or if you were a big fan of his, you probably still are. Um, but maybe we see him in a change of scenery because there have been a couple a uh, couple portal rumors out there floating around. Yeah, USC, Michigan, amongst those that have been leaked out there, but there's no. Um, you know, legitimate sources reporting right. that at this stage. So we shall see. Um, our best calls of the season. This is a fun one because um, we get to victory lap a little bit. And damn, my missed list is really long. I don't know how we got to that. Um, we'll talk about <laughs> our, our our best calls for a second. Um, Colin, what are some things that you really, really uh, are happy that you called it this offseason? Um, so you you tweet way more than I do. I'm I'm uh, I'm more of a lurker on Twitter. I don't really tweet all that much. So it was a little harder for me to go through and find some of my stuff. I had to go through old show sheets. But uh, before I highlight these this year, I just want to give myself a little pat on the back for uh, two other calls that I had prior to this year that finally really paid off. Zach Charbonnet, fantastic year for UCLA. Uh, especially fantasy purposes. I think he's going to parlay himself into some nice draft capital here. Uh, and then Elijah Badger was a guy that I had been on for a while here. Slow, slow year last year. Uh, I moved him down a little bit in my rankings and then he really took off at the end of this year. So once he got some competent quarterback play. So uh, that's a, you know, just a little pat on the back on those two. But for this year, uh, when we did our cram session, at the beginning of the year for anybody who's a newer listener uh, when we do our conference previews we do a little cram session we ask three questions one player is going to help themselves the most one player will hurt themselves the most uh, and then a bold prediction and my player who helped themselves the most this year was bo nix now like i mentioned in the surprises category i didn't expect that kind of a year but i did expect a, a nice bounce back for him so uh, i think that was that was one of my better calls Am I going to keep going through my list here? Yeah, you you, hit, hit all your list you're calling. Tell us okay. what you, you My know, arm's going to get you're, tired you're from not that, myself You're not that right here. You're not right that often. So, well, thank you, know, you. Let it all out. 
Um, number two, we'll go with here is, and this is one that, um, I tweeted out actually. So I, you know, this was my tweet, my, my one tweet victory lap here. And that's the Washington wide receivers, uh, mostly Jalen McMillan. He's kind of been my guy for a while now, uh, ever since his freshman year before he came in there, I was a big fan of him, but these Washington wide receivers, I knew with Kalen DeBoer coming in, this offense was going to take a nice step forward. Um, you know, and then with the, I'll parlay this into one of my misses a little bit later, but this offense as a whole really took off and we really got to see the talent of Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze showcased. I mean, these guys both scored seven touchdowns this year. They both had over a thousand yards, both had, I think it was like 70 ish catches. Both of them were very good. They both finished as top 20 wide receivers and total fantasy points. They both finished top 25. If you go by points per game, by pretty much every metric, these guys were good this year. And, and that was one of uh, one of my big calls. Like I said, McMillan was a bigger fan of than Adunze, but I still liked Adunze. And I still maintain that I think he has a higher NFL ceiling, but I think McMillan is the safer player. Um, and then in that tweet, I also mentioned another guy who had a fantastic year this year, and that's Trey Palmer. Uh, Trey Palmer, wide receiver there for Nebraska, is a guy that I was hyping up pretty much all off season here, especially given that he was going to be the wide receiver one in a Mark Whipple led offense, which we saw all of those numbers that uh, Jordan Addison put up with Mark Whipple there. Trey Palmer, really the only legitimate receiving option there at Nebraska. And he finished as a uh, top 10 wide receiver. If he was uh, wide receiver 14 on the year there, um, he had a fantastic year. You know, he was very up and down, depended a lot on the opponent that he played, but he had some huge, huge weeks. And if you drafted him, you probably got him fairly late. If you traded for him, like I advised at the beginning of the year, you had a really nice year from him. Uh, so Trey Palmer, and then he has also declared for the NFL. So we'll see how his uh, NFL draft stock shakes out. I'm really hoping he gets a senior bowl invite. Uh, I think that would really help him. Um, Another one of my good, my calls here, uh, my best calls, Katron Allen would is good and would force a frustrating committee this year with Nicholas Singleton. Like Nicholas Singleton, still my RB1 in this class. I still think he has the best chance of getting drafted in the first round out of the running backs in this class. I think he's very good. Size, speed guy. He's a lot of it what the NFL is looking for. He showed nicely this year, but Katron Allen is just came in ready-made. He went to IMG Academy in Florida, which is pretty much a prep school for college. He came in and he looked like it. You know, he was ready. He's got great vision, very patient runner, very good between the tackles, just keeps the chain moving. Uh, you know, not an Uber athlete, but he could break off a couple chunks of yards here and there. Uh, and he was just steady Eddie and paired really nicely with Nicholas Singleton. And I knew he was going to be good enough that it would keep they would force a committee with uh, with Singleton, and it was going to be frustrating this year. Now, both of these running backs ran for over 700 yards this year. This was the first uh, freshman duo to do so, to run for over 700 yards in the Big Ten, and the second to do it at least in the last 20 years, I'm pretty sure it was all time, and that was Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall that did it besides them. So they're in good company there. I mean, Keith Marshall didn't really turn into what we thought he would going to, but Todd Gurley, very good. So... Both of these guys can still be very good. Uh, speaking of good and freshman running backs, Trevor Etienne. Um, he was one of the guys that I was higher on than the rest of the crew here. He looked good this year uh, and not fat. Um, 
he uh, he he had a nice year this year. It was a run-heavy offense there, led by Billy Napier at Florida. They tend to use a committee back. I thought Montreal Johnson would lead the committee, which is he pretty much did. But Trevor Etienne looked looked good when he got his his work there as well. So I'll be interested to see how that offense shakes out here with you know whether Anthony Richardson. There's some rumors that he's going to declare, uh, and they will need kind of a new focal point of that offense probably be in that running game. Maybe Trevor Etienne can improve off of a nice freshman year here. Uh, and then other running backs that improved this year, Kenny McIntosh. Uh, he was the best running back for Georgia this year. You know, Kendall Milton banged up again, uh, which he just, he, he's been having an issue staying healthy, which, which really sucks for him. But Kenny McIntosh took advantage of it. And he had some fantastic receiving games this year. Like, better than James Cook receiving games this year. When everybody wanted to talk about how good James Cook was coming from this same backfield at receiving, Kenny McIntosh looked better. Uh, he's also bigger. He has some special teams value. I think Kenny McIntosh is still going to get day two draft capital. He's going to be right there on that borderline. He's right there on that round three, four borderline. So um, we'll see how the draft process plays out for him. And, and if he even declares, he could still come back. But I think he'll he'll probably parlay this into, into an NFL run here. Uh, and then the last one I had was Western Kentucky was still a CFF gold mine. Now, they weren't going to be Bailey Zappi and Jared Stearns. We knew that. We knew they weren't going to be that. But Austin Reed still finished as a top five quarterback. Uh, Malachi Corley still finished as a top five wide receiver there. And Daywood Davis kind of faltered a little bit down the stretch. Uh, the couple games he he missed the very last game there, which actually uh, potentially cost me a championship. It, but I digress. Um, he had a nice year as well. He was he was startable in a lot of uh, a lot of leagues. Um, I believe he finished as a top thirty wide receiver there. So not quite as explosive of an offense as it was last year, but we knew there was going to be some regression. But uh, you know, they were right about 75% of that offensive production. And that's kind of what we were calling. All good calls there. Um, I have some calls that were the inverse of those uh, in my, uh, my, my biggest misses. Um, so just a couple that I uh, had that I really liked. I called Zach Coons overrated in a show, uh, I believe in August, not that long before the season kicked off. I actually also called Braden Bennett overrated. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see him play enough to really right. know that. But uh, I think I was right on both accounts there. Davian Valade to start at Arizona State. I was mocked and ridiculed by our CFF team when I said that Xavier Valade was the best running back on Arizona State's roster and that he would be the starter. They were all on the Ingata train. Jokes on you guys. Marvin Harrison had a move on 2025 wide receiver one coming into the year. Um, and then 2024. Yeah, that one. 2024 wide receiver one. Thank you. And I actually called him and Ikbuka at multiple times this offseason, the most undervalued players going early in drafts. Uh, Hunter Decker stinks. I was right on that. He does stink. There's not much else to be said about that. Uh, Jordan Travis was this year's Jaron Hall and Hendon Hooker from last season. I think I nailed that. He was really, really good. and He was amazing down the stretch. I think yeah. that's about the, the category that he falls in there. Uh, as far as I know, I am the highest person anywhere on Barry and Brown, besides maybe his family. I had him as a wide receiver two in the class, and I still have him as a wide receiver two. Great player. Produced at Kentucky. He was like a top 50 wide receiver with 
dog crap at quarterback, a terrible off- offensive coordinator, no offensive line. Like just amazing the year that he had there, uh, and probably the best return in the NCAA right now. Uh, and had Antonio Williams down as a god, true freshman wide receiver at Clemson, and I think he proved that again. Terrible quarterback situation, leading receiver on Clemson. Keaton Slovis ruins Pitt. Duh. Dane Key is good. Put one in the Austin box, and then Jade Knott gets the cow job. I predicted that in about June on the old tweet machine, and was told that I am an idiot. So, to all of you, and you you ran through yours. I, I like to put I put some uh, some elaboration in mine. You just you flew through yours. They don't need any. They're just they speak for themselves. That's how mm. right I was mm. about all of them. Fair enough. Um, like uh, biggest miss, Colin. You have a couple here. Jermaine Burton's the biggest one, and this one like, oh, I easily. feel like if I yeah. had like some sort of just like thirty seconds of like laugh track to just play at you mm-hmm. for this one, I think I would because this might be. In retrospect, the Stone Cold biggest thing we got, we both got wrong on this show over the offseason. I think we weren't the only ones, so it's not that embarrassing. But you had him as what, your wide receiver? Four, five, three. three. Oh my God. No. Wide <laughs> receiver three. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. Stone, Stone Cold, my worst miss. Maybe my worst miss ever. I don't know. Hudson Card probably up there as well. But, uh, but yeah, no, Jermaine Burton. Um, I had him as my wide receiver three. I was really counting on that Bama bump. I mean, Alabama, there was a stat floating around um, prior to this year, and I don't remember exactly what it is, but it, the wide receiver one at Alabama over the last like four or so years had averaged like 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns. I was like, well, Jermaine Burton, going to be the wide receiver one there in this offense. He's explosive as an athlete. Um, he's got pretty good size there. He'll get the Bama bump at the draft capital, you know, or, uh, when the draft rolls around and he'll go in the first round. Like what, what's not to like about this guy? He looked good in limited time at Georgia and he just fell flat on his face. Now he did have two nice games to end the year. So maybe we're building, maybe we're a year early. He did. Have, uh, he it. did have a really nice final game of the year. Uh, or no, was it Austin? P- Austin P. It was two weeks ago. What was his? Yeah. What did he do this last week? I didn't. I I know. Uh, that, he had uh, a. It wasn't like a phenomenal game, but it was. It was solid. It was solid. I know Brooks I mean, had at least one touchdown in there. Um, pretty sure he had a touchdown, but um, yeah. Either way, terrible, terrible call. You um, idiot. <laughs> um, I'm pulling up the stats here for the last game, but my freshman, my guy from the freshman guide um pretty big miss i mean i had some hits why didn't you just my guy etn i should have i should have who was like if you had asked me who's colin's guy i would have said trevor Etienne. Mm -hmm. yeah no my my guy was uh tavoris jones there may be some people who are listening to this who are like who is that and there's not you're not to be blamed he's a freshman running back uh for um missouri and I, I kind of I was like, okay, you know, Nathaniel Pete, who also huge miss on my end. I thought he was yeah, gonna I be have him down in mind too. We'll, we'll hit on yeah. him here in a second. I thought he was gonna be the RB1 there at uh Missouri and kind of offer Tyler Beatty-esque type numbers, Nathaniel Pete. And but I, I thought Tavoris Jones was good enough, especially as a receiver, because he, his high school tape is littered with him making great catches as, at the receiving position, split out wide. Uh, I thought he was one of, if not the best receiving back in this class. And I don't even know if he registered a snap this year 
and a in what was a terrible backfield. Nathaniel Pete was a big miss. He did nothing. Cody Schrader, just kind of like a thumper. Um, there was nothing going on in that backfield there, and he couldn't even sniff the field. So pretty big miss on Tavoris Jones for me as well there. Uh, and then the last one for me, we, we talked about Braylon Allen being a disappointment here, but uh, in my bold prediction, I said Braylon Allen would finish in the top three in Heisman votes this year. I thought Wisconsin was going to have a good year. And they did not. They fired their coach, and they did not hire their um, interim head coach. They just hired Luke Fickle, which I think is a nice hire for them, but um, okay. that's a topic for another day. But Breland Allen, very disappointing this year and did not even come close to the Heisman campaign. Um, and then just one last note here, Jermaine Burton, over his last three games, five for 50 and a touchdown, seven for 128 and two touchdowns against Austin P. And three, four, eighty-seven against Auburn. Wow! Look at him go, just beating that murder's row of a point of, of uh, opponents down the stretch there. Finished the year with thirty-seven catches, five hundred ninety yards, and six touchdowns. Oof! Yeah, not great. Not great. All right, just a couple of my big ones that I had here. Um, so after week one on this show, uh, I mentioned how maybe we just shouldn't we shouldn't be counting on Western Kentucky to produce like they did last year because Austin Reed really didn't look very good in week one. Uh, if you remember correctly, I forget who they played. It was not a good team and they just didn't look good at all. Yeah. Was it, was it Hawaii or did they get Hawaii? No, Hawaii played a night game. I forget who it was, but Austin regardless, they, what might've been Austin P could have been, I don't know. I'll look it up. Keep going. Uh, you, you go look it up. Yeah, but I I, uh, I I swung and I missed on that one. Somehow didn't account for Michael Penix's uh, potential big year despite projecting big seasons for Romeo Dunze and Jalen McMillan. We talked about them earlier. That was uh, a Garrett, big miss for me as well. I was going to put that down, but I saw you already had it. So Yeah. And it was Austin P. It was Austin P. Okay. Yeah, they, they looked too. Yeah, he did, he did not look good against them. Um, Garrett Nussmeyer. Uh, I thought he could take over the starting QB role at LSU. Uh, Jaden Daniels was actually really, really good, was a top fantasy option and uh, held that job all year long. I thought that looked really good after like week one and week two because Daniels looked like crap. I don't know what happened. I guess he just got more comfortable in that offense. Uh, too much Christopher Brooks and Nathaniel Pete on rosters. Neither of them did crap. I also had a lot of Dominic Richardson who disappointed as well. Uh, Brock Bowers down year. I thought that maybe he would struggle with uh, Eric Gilbert there, and he looked good in spring. They still had Darnell Washington. Um, I thought they would run the ball a little more this year, so I thought Bowers would have a rough year, but he finishes as the tight end three. Uh, Keon Grays, I had him as my wide receiver three and a tier one guy. I thought he would get some run at Ohio State this year, uh, and he basically hasn't been able to sniff the field at all. And then I was too low initially on Quinchon Judkins. Um, I did end up bumping him up over the summer just because I thought as more news came out that they were going to roll with two backs. It was going to be him and Zach Evans. I thought, you know, just uh, um, situationally that he'd be a good player, um, but was way too low on him. Um, and that's all I have, although I'm sure there's a lot more that uh, people could run through and pick out. But those are the uh, the big ones. I guess ETN is also a big miss. And yes, I did call him fat. In fairness, so did his brother in an interview this offseason. So, <laughs> yes, yes. When your brother says it, yeah. you know, it's true. And it hurts yeah. just a little more coming from that person. Yeah. Yep. I like to think my brother is very, very skinny when until about the age of 12, he was a little fat. So 
I like to think that I had some sort of, uh, uh, you know, help in getting him to where he is today. So you're welcome. Maybe if Connor. maybe if Evan was meaner to me, then I wouldn't be overweight now. Or maybe you ate your ate your feelings. I don't know. Could have been either. Your brother uh, doesn't strike me as a mean brother. <laughs> no, no, he was not. Uh, when we were younger, he would do. He was sneaky. He would like do just little things just to agitate me. Just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit, and then I would explode. You seem like you were easily agitated as a kid. I was, yeah. I actually, which is not something that people really believe now, but um, I actually had a huge temper problem as a kid. I did. That doesn't really surprise me, knowing you. <laughs> well, you rode in a car with me, so you see it let out there. Um, I was scared. Yeah. We, we Collins, Collins' drive time was just be three hours, and after two, we were like, eh. Let's cut it. <laughs> Maybe you should actually call and pull over here. We need gas. Yeah, I'll just hop, I'll just hop on. I mean, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just change early here. Um, all right. So those are all our hits and misses or some of our hits and misses. Uh, maybe we'll have to search for some more to talk about as the offseason goes on. Um, early offseason buy list. We each put a couple names down here. And some of yours were actually ones that I had put in my notes to add in here when I got in here tonight. And you'd already added them. So I'm glad nice. you you nice. did that specifically, uh, Jaleel Farouk. So why don't we start with him? Uh, mm-hmm. Why does he with Oklahoma? I think he's a buy, and you do too. Yeah. Um, might be the leading receiver at Oklahoma next year. No mm-hmm. Theo Weiss, supposedly. Dylan yeah. Gabriel could come back. This is, a, this is a perfect storm for him, and he was pretty good down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was pretty good down the stretch. Um, Theo Weiss is reportedly going to be entering the portal. Uh, I think Marvin Mims is going to declare, although he could come back. Uh, and Dylan Gabriel can also come back. So... If Gabriel comes back, Mims declares he could be the wide receiver one there in this offense. It's a Jeff Levy-led offense, which we do typically like the wide receiver for. Uh, Oklahoma had a down year this year. I do think they're going to bounce back next year. And Jaleel Farouk honestly might even be floating out on some waiver wires um, out there. And if he's not, he is going to be dirt cheap. But he his profile as a wide receiver is a little odd. He's that's kind of like a couple of the guys there, like Marvin Mims is an odd profile, but Farouk's is a little bit in a different way. He's a little bit more running back ish as a as a receiver. Um, now I haven't really dove into the Oklahoma tape this year, so that was prior to this year. So maybe he expanded his game a little he's bit. Six one two oh five, like he and he's used underneath, like he is almost yeah. kind of you know Debo ish. Dun dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's the role that we like in a Jeff Levy offense. I mean, Elijah Moore had some huge numbers in that type of a role. AJ Brown had some huge numbers in that type of a role in Jeff Levy's offense. So I think uh Jaleel Farouk is one of my top buys. I I I agree. I I don't I have a tough time predicting whether they'll use him enough in that offense to be like the wide receiver one, but I definitely think that there is room there for him. And he's put up decent stats this year down the stretch. I, he, he scored a lot of touchdowns, scored um, three touchdowns in his last five games, and he wasn't getting a ton of targets. Um, so I, I we'll see if they can get an increase in target share for him. There's not, I mean, I'm just looking at the other competition there on the roster. I mean, they've got LV Bunkley Shelton, who I've liked for years, didn't play that much. Maybe he becomes more of a guy uh, this year after he transferred in, but then it's basically a bunch of those freshmen from this year. Yeah. Jaden Gibson, uh, Nick Anderson, um, I think Drake Stoops is still around. Is he? I don't know. He's a senior. I think it's his last year. He has five years listed, but he might have the COVID year still hanging around. I don't really know. I hope not. Um, 
But yeah, I, I really do think that he can be the next guy up there. Uh, how about Trey Benson running back for Florida State? I don't know if he comes back uh, next year or not, but he was really, really good down the stretch. We, it's funny, we talked about him. Uh, one of the people on our Discord kept saying, you know, Trey Benson, I think he's going to be really, really good this year. I actually agreed. I thought he was the best running back on this roster, but I didn't expect him to have uh, quite the season that he did, especially down the stretch. Ended up finishing just, just short of 1,000 yards, uh, nine touchdowns, had 100 yards in four of his last five games, uh, had six touchdowns in those five games as well. Uh, once they kind of leaned into him, uh, 18 for 111, 15 for 128, 18 for 163, 16 for 80, 20 for 111. Like he just, he was really, really good. He can catch the ball a little bit, although I don't think he excels at it. He's a big bodied guy. I really do think he should come back for a year, but he is eligible. So we'll see what mm -hmm. happens. Yeah, that's actually a great call on your end. As I was looking through some of the past show sheets, um, I did see what we were talking about Florida State in the conference preview. You said Ward and Tofili, and then you put, is Benson the best out of this group? So that was somebody you were on early as well. Uh, I was a Toafili guy. Um, I, I feel I still think he has a role in college, but I don't think he's going. I was envisioning him being a Tony Pollard, Antonio Gibson type of a back, and I don't think he's going to be able to be that back. So, yeah, Trey Benson was the best out of that group. Uh, if he can come back, I would absolutely love to buy him. If he declares, this is just such a loaded running back class that I don't see him getting day two draft capital. I think he would be like a mid third round rookie pick if you're in a dynasty league. So if he declares, you know, he would probably need an injury or two to have a role in the NFL. But if he comes back, he could be really valuable for your CFF team. And then even parlay that into a weaker, you know, in a weaker draft class, you could parlay that into some better draft capital. He's not the athlete Zach Charbonnet is, but we could see similar discussions about him next year. Yeah. Kind of being a straight line, bigger back, mm -hmm. bruiser. The NFL will always have some of those guys hanging around. So yeah. um, we shall see. Kobe Paysor taking over for Josh Downs, potentially. I think we talked about him as a stash at the end of the season. Yeah, we talked about him as a guy to pick up in the middle of the season when Josh Downs went down for a little bit there because he was the guy who stepped in. He had some nice games. And then we talked about him at the end of the year as a guy that just stash and I'm still buying him because it's a Phil Longo offense. We know we want the, the wide receiver one in a Phil Longo offense. We want the wide receiver who's going to kind of play the slot uh, in that offense as well. And I think that's going to be Kobe Paysauer. I mean, he was the first guy up when downs went, got hurt. He performed admirably. I still like Tayshawn Chapman. Uh, I think he might have a role somewhere in that offense, but I think Paysauer is going to be the, the guy there next year. And Drake May it was fantastic this year. So he's tied to a very stable quarterback for at least next year. Um, I think he could have some really big numbers next year. And he's, he's another guy who's just probably a throw-in in some trades. I think people at this point might be wise to what they have. I'm also Maybe. not sure that Drake May is there next year. That is true. There's some rumors about that floating around. So we'll but, see about that. I, I, the backup options are still pretty good. Talked about that all year. They are. Backup Maybe options are still pretty good. And Drake May is just a legacy. It The May family is a legacy at UNC. He's from North Carolina. I don't know. And yet he was I'm committed elsewhere before he went over to UNC. So we'll see. He was. 
He was. I, I don't know. I, I need to see a little bit more, a little more smoke. I don't think people have caught up yet to to your guy Badger. I think he's a buy. Uh, I wonder what Arizona State looks like next year, but I do think that they will be a spot for a reclamation guy at quarterback with Dillingham there. They don't really have. They, I mean, they have Emory Jones and they have uh, Borget on that roster. I don't know that Dillingham will roll with Borget or not. I don't want to count him out of that race, but I do think it would be a spot where a a Tyler Van Dyke or something could transfer to. And he, Van Dyke has like you know no connections to Arizona. In fact, it's basically the furthest place on the map away from where he's from in Connecticut. Um, but like a guy like that, Ty Thompson, Ty. Oh, I I don't think that'll work out. I you know who I could even see going there and being okay. I could see like Haynes King going there after oh losing God, the job at vomited. Texas A&M and at least going there and competing for that job. I'm just saying, I think I could see that. An SEC guy, former four-star, uh, Dillingham, has been pretty – I mean, he was pretty good for Bo Nix this year. And mm-hmm. King has a lot of the same flaws that he has, but also a lot of the same strengths. I mean, we might get some Haynes King rushing touchdowns next year. I, no connection there whatsoever. I'm just tossing out names. But I could see, bottom line, a reclamation project type guy going there and being decent for Arizona State. And that whole offense, it, you know, if Badger chooses to stay, being decent too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Badger is kind of a Yukish. Yeah. Another Arizona State guy. So we'll see what he uh, does over the next uh, few months there in terms of if he stays or goes. Yeah, um, I think the uh, Arizona State's going to be a really interesting spot to watch for some of these quarterbacks here because Jacoby Criswell, I think, could do re- the backup at uh, UNC if May does stay. I think he could be really good in that Dillingham offense. Um, there's a number of guys who I think could be really good in that offense. So that'll be one to watch for sure. What about Dorian Singer, another guy hanging out in Arizona there? Uh, to ended up being the guy or you know like the 1B at Arizona this year as the year went on he uh he gained more and more of that uh receiving share finished the year very strong uh, a couple of big 100 yard performances uh, and a couple others that were close 91 and 83 yards um six touchdowns on the year over a thousand yards he will be back next year he's got NFL size he's 6'1 185 190 ish uh I think he's an intriguing guy because I think that offense is definitely that offense isn't going to take a step back it's uh, uh, Delaro will be back. Cowling will probably be gone, but Ted McMillan is just a ready-made guy to step in there. Uh, Rayshon Luke could end up playing wide receiver as well. So I, I think that whole offense will be clicking. Yeah, that whole offense clicked pretty well here, you know, from the middle of the season on. And I, I, I don't see any reason why that's going to change heading into next year when they keep pretty much all the same pieces in place. So that I think that's going to be a, an offense that will want to target. So I like this, the call on singer there. Uh, my next guy, uh, Trace and Potts running back at Minnesota. Mo Ibrahim is gone. Now the bad man can't hurt us anymore. Trey Potts owners. Um, yeah. I, I mean, he's a guy that I, I thought was going to have more of a role here this year with Mo Ibrahim coming off that injury. Uh, but they just really fed Mo Ibrahim and, Trey Potts, this is maybe another situation, like you said, with Kobe Paysauer, where like they kind of know what they have. And if somebody has Trey Potts, they were hanging on to him for a reason. So he might be a little bit more difficult to acquire, um, but I think it's going to be worth it. You know, uh, that offense, Tanner Morgan is going to be gone. They're going to have Ath- Athen Kaliakmanis at quarterback, uh, unless 
for whatever reason, they would bring in somebody else. But Kelly, Kelly, dear God, let them bring somebody in. Kelly was terrible down the stretch. He, this year. he was, yes, he was um, so bad. Which means they're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to lean on that run game, and they did that very well. They have for years, and Trey Potts is just going to be the next guy up. No concern about any of the other backs on that roster? Zach Evans? Yeah, a little, bit of a, con- little bit of concern about the other Zach Evans there, but if this just kind of feels like one of those places where it's, you know, churn. You know, it's it's Trey Potts is the next man up, and he's going to be the next guy to get those carries, and Zach Evans will get some sprinkled in here and there. But I do have Zach Evans on at least two rosters that I can think of off the top of my head. And he's going to be really frustrating to own next year because Trey Potts will be out of eligibility and you'll want to hold on to him. But he's probably going to waste a roster spot for you for a year. I think this is going to be Trey Potts' job. It'll be worth monitoring the offseason, though. Uh, Taylor Green is the last one here. And we talked about him in the Discord. And I I, I have him in the buy here. Um Really, really good athlete. Had 432 rush yards on the season. Uh, eight rushing touchdowns. Quarterback there at Boise State. Um, still has a lot of ways to go as a passer, but I do think he looked better as the year went on. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I thought he... Basically, anything that was structured at all was just like really foreign to him. He didn't throw a touchdown pass until his third game that he played of the season. Uh, and then didn't throw another one the next week. So like through his, his first four games, three of them, he didn't throw a single touchdown. Um, but his, his rushing ability, he's got his size, uh, kind of kept him hanging in there. And then as the year went on, he, he got a little bit better. I still don't think he's a great passer, but he definitely got a lot better. I think he needs to stay at Boise. We've had some discussion behind the scenes as to whether he should transfer, whether he can transfer to a bigger school. Uh, I suspect he wouldn't get a lot of calls. I don't know that for sure. I just don't like if he entered the portal, I don't know what power five school is is calling him up and saying we want you to be our starter um not doesn't seem like a lot of of opportunity there so i think he'll stay at boise state i think that offense can be pretty good next year again they figured it out as the year went on um so i, I think tailing green could be a speculative ad or you know trade tar- target if somebody has him already yeah i like that call there i mean i think He's probably rostered in some leagues, available in others. If he's rostered, it's probably by somebody who believes in him um, because there's definitely some people out there who who do, and I'm not saying they shouldn't because he did finish the year very strong there. But um, I do think he's going to be a riser, uh, and, and he'll be a good buy as well. Uh, my last guy is a bit of a post-hype sleeper here, Jaquindon Jackson. Um, was a quarterback at Texas transferred to Utah and got some run at the end of the year here at uh, running back. Um, when Tavian Thomas was kind of in and out of the lineup here at the end of the year, um, he had a, he had a couple nice games there. He had um, th- his last game. He went 10 for 117 yards and three touchdowns. And that was against Colorado. Uh, who Everybody can run for 117 yards and three touchdowns against Colorado. But he also had the game before that, or two games before that, 13 carries, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, 10 carries, 43 yards, and a touchdown. And those were in three of his last four games. Um, Tavia Thomas did play in the Oregon game, so he only had three carries in that one. But Jackson was kind of the explosive option there in that offense. And I think he could have an increased role next year. 
We kind of want to know who the Utah running back is going to be. Makai Bernard's going to be in the mix. Jalen Glover is going to be in the mix. But Jaquindon Jackson is 6'2", 227 pounds. This dude is big. This dude is very athletic. Um, he was, uh, I believe, a high four-star coming out when he was a quarterback and he they, they might play him at they, they thought they might play him at linebacker so he's a big physical guy very athletic um he's definitely floating out on your waiver wire so he's a guy that i'd be looking if you have an extra pickup here if waivers aren't closed yet uh or he's a guy i'm targeting in the supplemental drafts counterpoint no i will not do that you're gonna have but to thanks. get him you'll be able to get him late no, I'm not doing that. I refuse. I refuse. This will be our first fight of the offseason call. No, I'm not going to do that. So who um, are you targeting in that backfield then? Bernard? Not him. I don't know. I'll figure it out when I get more information. But it's not going to. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. Um, no, we're, we're past that. Okay. Uh, All right. Clip it, Colin. Clip it. And then you can play this back next year. Things I got wrong. Or hey, things I um, got right. I, I'm just saying he's free right now. He's free. Free fitting. The reason he's free fitting. Um, top performers of the season, Colin. I just want to shout out these guys. Any names stand out to you? A quarterback, Bo Nix, Drake May, Caleb Williams, Austin Reed, Clayton Toon. Our top five there. Uh, interesting group. Um, Clayton Toon. How? We mentioned this last week. Sheer volume. Torrid. Torrid pace down the stretch. Clayton Toon league winner, that like, question mark? That like 80-point game against SMU definitely uh, contributed somewhere in there. But he was, he good was all still year. great the other games, yeah. I mean, that, that was obviously, you know, the best of the best game. But uh, he was really, really good after like week four or five. After Houston was out of the playoff race and they, you know, or the, the, uh, the New York Six Bowl race, I don't know, maybe the pressure was too much for that whole roster. I don't really know. Running back Bijan Robinson finishes the RB one. That's pretty incredible. I can't think yeah. of the past couple of years of like a a legit Debbie high end guy. That's I guess Brees Hall kind of did too. But uh, mm-hmm. Bijan really really great season for him. Izzy Izzy A we said earlier RB two Xavier Valade Chase Brown Carson Steele round out round out that top five at wide receiver. Daniel Dell as the wide receiver one had himself a great season there. Rasheed Rice Charlie Jones Jalen Hyatt who basically had three good games and Malachi Corley. Jalen Hyatt thing is bonkers that he finishes the wide receiver four. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> absolutely crazy. Um, and then tight end, Michael Mayer finishes as your tight end one. Had a the target in the Notre Dame passing offense. Dalton Kincaid, Brock Bowers, Payne Durham, sneaky, sneaky. Uh, we talked about him a lot this offseason. Uh, had himself a good year. And then Sedu Traore, tight end Arkansas State, finishes the tight end five. Wouldn't have guessed. I knew he was having a good year. Wouldn't have guessed he was tight end five. That's all I got. Do you have any comment on any of those guys, Colin? Uh, Dalton Kincaid will be an interesting uh, guy to keep an eye on throughout the draft process here if he if he declares. I believe he has another year if he wants it. Um, but I, I think he was a better pro prospect than between him and Keithy. Uh, Keithy obviously got hurt, I think it was like week two or three, for the rest of the year, which really helped boost Kincaid's production. But I think he could also be an NFL guy as well. Yeah. I uh, I agree with that. It'll be really, really good. I mean, Bijan, just, oh, I can't say anything more about this guy. Just so, so good. Um, Malachi Corley probably be back next year. I think if you can go target Corley for fairly cheap, I would be doing that. 
Yeah, I think he has two years of eligibility left. He does. We'll see. I, that offense is going to be good no matter what, as long as as long as um, current regime whatever yeah. is in there. Um, yeah, uh, Ben Orbuckle, I think, is the OC now. Um, so they're, they'll just promote from within. Whatever happens, happens. I'm interested to see who the quarterback is after Austin Reed there because um, he has one year left and then he mm-hmm. uh, has to be done. So Yeah. Caden Veltkamp, I think, was what, a freshman this year that they brought in? He's freshman in terms of eligibility. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a yeah freshman in terms of eligibility. He has like like four years left. Darius Ocean or whatever his name is there. So yeah, I don't know. Just just throwing it out there. Uh, Declarations for the draft. Uh, We've had a couple, but not a ton yet. So we're actually going to Trey Palm is the big one so far. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, Zay Flowers too going to what the Shrine Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was. A so if you, if they're in the postseason bowl games, it's they're they're declaring essentially, even exactly. if they haven't officially announced it. So Rasheed Rice also on that list, although I think he was out of eligibility, wasn't he? Yeah, he's a senior. Okay, um, I don't know if he was out of eligibility. He's a senior. And then last year, Colin, just some portal guys. The portal's heating up. We had a lot of players already enter it. Um, just a huge list here of names of notable names that have hopped in at the skill positions. LJ Johnson, disappointing running back prospect from last year's class at Texas A&M. Dominic Lovett, the leading wide receiver for Missouri this year, is headed out. We'll see where he lands, uh, ends up. Arlen Harris Jr., guy that I really like. Just a really, really, really nice kid. Um, didn't work for him at Stanford. We'll see where he ends up. Theo Weiss, as we mentioned, uh, probably hopping in the portal. I don't know where he goes. Titus Swen, I don't know what the hell happened here. Was it kicked off the team? Was this a you can't? you can't quit. I fire you type. I don't really know, but Titus went yeah. leaving Wyoming. Blake Watson, the old dominion running back is on the way out the door. Uh, Luke Altmeyer, backup quarterback at Ole Miss is leaving Lane Hatcher. Who's played at eight different schools already. That's an exaggeration, but not really is leaving Malik Hornsby, uh, hyper athletic backup quarterback at Arkansas. Uh, Davis Brin quarterback at uh, Tulane. Caden McNamara, everyone's favorite Michigan quarterback, is grad transferring. Ashton Hawkins, the Texas uh, State wide receiver, is leaving. He was fairly productive for a bunch of weeks this year. Tyrese Chambers, FIU wide receiver, he's pretty good. We'll see where he ends up landing. Jeff Sims, uh, quarterback slash backup quarterback slash backup backup quarterback at Georgia Tech. <laughs> We're all praying for George, uh, for Bowling Green. Brett Gabbard is grad transferring out of Miami of Ohio, so they'll have to replace him. Trey Sanders, as you mentioned earlier, Colin, leaving Alabama. I thought he'd be a lifer there. Wonder where he ends up. Grant Dubose, the Charlotte running back, is wide leaving. Receiver. Oh, sorry, wide receiver, yes. And he has a bunch of offers already. And then Dante Thornton is leaving Oregon. And that's what we've got so far. I'm sure those names will continue to pile up. Any names stand out to you there, Colin, before we get out of here? Um, I think Tyrese Chambers is a guy that we kind of wanted to hit the portal last year because he looked good at FIU and was better than uh, that school, you know, no offense to FIU, but you know, if anybody has NFL aspirations, like I'm sure Tyrese Chamber does, he probably should have got out of Dodge last year. So I'll be interested to see where he ends up. Same with Grant Dubose, um, kind of a better wide receiver than Charlotte's level. Um, so and then Dante Thornton, obviously, too, he was a high four star guy at, at Oregon. Uh, does Dante Thornton maybe follow Dillingham to Arizona State? I don't know. That's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on too. But I, I do think um, 
just as a, a little Homer note here at the end, I think Penn state's going to go after a wide receiver in the portal this year. So like, kind of like they did with Tinsley. So one of these guys maybe ends up there. They, uh, they're probably needed. That's not a shot at Penn mm-hmm. state. They've got, no. um, maybe they need a Parker Washington leaving and maybe Mitchell Tinsley leaving that. Mm-hmm. That leaves the cupboard a little bare there in terms of proven guys. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Wallace, Trey Wallace is probably the guy who will step up. No, Keandre Lambert Smith. Man, he's had a hard time staying healthy. He also struggles with drops at times. I think he's just kind of a one dimensional field stretcher kind of a guy. So he'll he's be there. Skinny. But I don't think he's going to be like a lead guy. Caden Saunders hope. Maybe he could fill in the if Parker Washington leaves. I think he'll probably fill in that slot role. For the record, I don't believe in him, but we'll see. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Um, Canton Bound coming out on Thursday. The podcast schedule here at C2C goes back to off-season status. Um, so you'll just be getting Chasing the Natty once. No more bet on C2C, but you'll still be getting Campus Life and Canton Bound on their normal days. Debbie Debate there. Uh, and then we'll have some other shows sprinkled in and added to the rotation as the year goes on. Thank you guys again for going on this journey with us this year. Colin, no winners this year before we get out of here? No, no, no championships? No, no championships. I got a second place. Um, mm. And actually it was, um, it was an error on my end. It was poor roster management. I had taken Austin Reed out the week before um, because he played Auburn and forgot to put him back in. And that was the difference between Austin Reed and Jaden Daniels. Oh my God. Who was your other quarterback? Caleb Williams. Okay. Just, who, who's your other guy that you weren't just starting both those guys? That makes sense. Yeah. Caleb Williams. Uh, yeah. It was uh yeah. Roster management error on my end that, that cost me the championship there, but it was Shaq. Good for you, Shaq. That could have accidentally worked out for you. I mean, potentially, but yeah, it just, it did not. It was just an oversight on my end. Um, I had, so second place in that one, two third places, but no titles. Yeah. Next We're year, on to the Colin. NFL next year. All right, guys. Until next time, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.